Pretty intense, huh? You know, I watched that and I, I couldn't help but just think how much time we've spent in a lifetime pursuing the stuff that never really satisfies. And we know it's not going to satisfy when we start. And then when we're done, we go, that's it? That's all it gave me? And yet, there's also this other dimension, this really positive dimension. When I, when I saw that, I, the thing that came back to me was this. Fasting takes it to another level. Because guess what? The Bible says prayer is not enough. His father brings this boy. He's oppressed by the enemy, and he doesn't know what to do with him. And the disciples, they, they can't cure him. And, and he says, can you help my son? Can you help him? And he says to his disciples, some things only happen. This kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. We're in this 21-day fast, and what we want to say is that prayer is not enough. Fasting says it's not enough. We want to get to the next level in life. We want to say, God, it's not enough. God, we want more of your power in our life. God, we want to see you do something in our life. A few years ago, I had lunch with a guy. He didn't really want to go to lunch with me. Have you ever been on one of those lunches? It was set up from his wife. His wife was trying to fix her husband, and so she arranged for me to go out to lunch with her husband. And it was pretty clear that he was not really happy to go out to lunch with me because I was a pastor. I mean, who wants to go to lunch with a pastor, right? And so uh, we're sitting there, and, but we were going there for a reason. This man was extremely, extremely wealthy, was not, did not profess faith in Christ, but his son had a bad uh, cocaine habit. So we're sitting there, and we're kind of making the small talk, and he was probably ready for the, hey, would you come to church uh, invite, but I wasn't going down that road. I knew he was thinking it already. I didn't have to bring it up. And I said, you know, you know what really bothers you? What really bothers you is you finally got a situation with your son that you can't fix and you can't buy your way out of. And he looked at me like, well, I'm not. And he said this, he said, I'm not used to people talking to me like this. And I said, well, look, let me just put it really clear. I'm not impressed with your money or what you've done. I'm more concerned about your relationship with God and the condition of your son. And I could tell it really sunk in deep. And it was a pretty gutsy comment, I I admit. I even felt a little weird making it. He called me up about three days later. He said, hey, can you go to lunch next week? I thought, well, I didn't blow him up too bad. He wants to do lunch again. He was buying, so I was in. (laughs) We went out to lunch, and over a period of time, we developed a friendship. You see, he'd grown up in a really, really strict home, left home when he was 16, and kind of vowed to put all that behind him, all the religion and all the stuff and everything behind him and parents and everything else. And he was just going to start life all over. And he made success of himself and, 
and really had two great kids, but one got into this cocaine problem. And, but over time, we developed a great friendship, and it didn't take very long before he professed faith in Christ. His son got off cocaine and is doing great today. And I looked back on that and I thought, you know, everything he had, it wasn't enough. It was something else. And it didn't mean that his life was bad. It wasn't. It was a great life. It was an envious life in many ways. But it wasn't enough. You know, faith cannot, feel, cannot flow when you feel condemned. You know, faith is this, 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 this wonderful thing that God gave us to trust and believe in one another, but to believe in him. But if I feel condemned, if I feel pressed down, I can never really let that grow inside of me. But fear, I found, is the boundary line of Satan's power. The moment you step over the line of fear, you destroy his control in your life. When you face your fears, they get smaller. When you run from them, they get bigger. Have you ever noticed that? He's not trying to avoid, 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 avoid. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I think fasting opens a door to victory. It breaks the power of fear. You ever, uh, you ever had a prayer list and you have things you're praying for and God answers all of them but the one you really wanted answered? I mean, that, that happens to me all the time. I get like, here's eight things I want you to, to, to answer God. He answers seven, but the eighth one was the one I really was, you know, God, seriously, that's the one I wanted. And then I get the silent treatment from God. He's not talking. God, how come you didn't answer that one? I don't hear anything. I don't know what's going on. But, but in the process of that, God is doing something. And I think in this 21-day fast, that's kind of what we've experienced. Let me just tell you initially kind of what some of the things that God has done in, in me and in us as a church. And, and, and I know you've got stories. If you look over in that cross, there's, there's hundreds of, of prayer requests on that cross. And those are just accumulated in the last three weeks. Um. But here's the first thing. I I think God revealed to me some real personal weakness in my own life. And you know, it it wasn't something I went looking for. It wasn't something that I said, gee, God, would you show me some personal weakness? It was kind of in the process of just fasting that God brought some some new levels of humility to me and just showed me some stuff. And and, uh, whenever he does that, it's a good thing. It's always a good thing. Um. I think the other thing was God restored my vision for changing the world one person at a time. You know, connecting with people, sometimes we think in terms of groups or people or nations or people by the hundreds or by the thousands, and he just kind of restored my vision for what a difference it can make in, in just one person's life when you speak into them, when you love them, when you help them to transform into a better life, into a life that's connected with God. And that was pretty powerful for me. God reminded me that, you know, he's got a lot of stories in the Bible about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. They were all in ones. God wanted us to to be reminded that, that I am concerned about every single one of you, of us. There's nobody that's greater than another, no one who's lesser than another. We're just we're just created by God to be loved by God. And then, you know, we've been fasting for some additional. Uh, people on staff here for some pastors, and I've really been amazed. I, I would say we probably have had close to a hundred people, you know, offer a resume to come work here, and we're not hiring a hundred people, just so you know that. 
But I was really surprised that God has brought us uh, really gifted, spirit-filled people who really have captured some of the vision of what God has done and what God wants to do at Influence Church. Was asked this past week, well, you know, what's the kind of the vision? What was the vision you started with? And I've got, you know, like everybody does, like a, a really slick kind of vision statement. You know, you're kind of supposed to do that. Honestly, our vision when we started was for people to show up. If somebody came the next week, it was always a good sign, you know, and, uh, and then, then you went through that whole struggle again. Well, they show up next week, you know, and, and when you're meeting in a junior high and then you're meeting in Edwards Theater, and we've only been in this building about a year and a half, so we're only three years old. If, you, if you're visiting today, it's, it's not like we've been around for 30 years. But I can remember times in my car and I'm, I'm driving to the service and I am so brokenhearted that tears are running down my face. I'm thinking, God, what am I doing? Will this thing even work? It's like a grand experiment. You don't know the end result. You don't know what's going to happen. But I, I, as I kind of tried to put it together, I said it like this. I think, our, I think our original vision or goal was really to do two things, to get a building and to see miracles happen in people's lives. We never wrote that down, but I think that's what it was. And we have a building and we have miracle upon miracle of people who've been healed and people who've been transformed and marriages that have been saved. And it's just amazing. And that prayer wall out front is a testimony to that. And your lives that have been changed are a testimony to that as well. We, uh, if you walk into the lobby, there's a big vault. It's got a big handle on it. You know, it's a real vault, serious deal. It was here when we bought the building and we were going to take it out, but they wanted $30,000 to remove this big vault. I said, it's fine. <laughs> now, now we have a vault that actually is our little workroom. You know, so you think you're going to go in there and find like gold bullion or something, but you go in there, you know, and it's got this big handle on it. <laughs> Open this door up and there's a copier. Yeah, we have a great copier. We want to protect it. It's safe, you know, fireproof. Thieves aren't going to break in and steal here kind of a thing. And, but every time I go in there and I open up a little drawer, a little door, you know, and, and there's paper clips, a little box of paper clips, and I just kind of get a little, I get a little weepy. That may sound stupid to you, but I can remember the day when we had no place to put paper clips. And I was just thanking God. I said, God, thank you. Thank you for everything you've given us, for every little detail in this journey of life, and life is kind of like that. You know, I often wondered in this early part of the journey, what would happen if we had the resources to hire all the people that we needed in the process? And yet God just reminded me, I've blessed your efforts all along the journey. Ultimately, leadership is the key to advancing any army. No army will advance without leadership. Daring men and women who know the power of God, who possess, who somehow possess a heaven-sent courage to believe God for the impossible. Men and women who are willing to give up the very last ounce of their being to somehow glorify Jesus Christ. This is how we began a movement three years ago. We believed that God was our sufficiency. And we had nothing, God was our sufficiency. We believed that we would see God do some great things, and we believe that we would see God work some miracles in the lives of people. The first miracle we had was a 26-year-old girl named Skye who's recently moved to, 
to Colorado, but she was back visiting a few weeks ago and made the comment how much she misses being here. But she came to us with a, a brain tumor, the side, the circumference of a, of a grapefruit. Two weeks before Easter, mother of three, could only imagine what her heart was feeling and her husband and her parents and all those around her were feeling and we prayed for her and by some miracle, God took it out and just removed it. She went to the doctor. The doctor said, do you believe in miracles? And she said, yes. He said, well, you are one because I can't even see where it was. You know, amen. That's why we exist. We exist to see the hand of God. That's why everywhere you go, you're going to see that word miracle somewhere on some wall somewhere because we believe God is a God of miracles. See, the the works of God testify of the word of God. See, people don't want to follow religion. I tell people all the time, I don't like religion. And they look at me like I'm weird. Well, aren't you a pastor? I am, but I I don't like religion. Religion is somehow condemning. When When I get to heaven and I meet Jesus, he's not going to say, hey, I'm religion. He's going to say, I am Jesus. He's not going to ask me if I was a Presbyterian, a Catholic, a Baptist, or nothing. He's going to say, do you know me? Did you make a difference in the world? Were you transforming people and lives along the journey of life? That's what he's really going to be concerned about. We stand, I believe, now on a doorstep of seeing God again do what he's done in the past. God is gathering people with huge hearts and huge passion, people who love Jesus more than they love religion. I honestly have been amazed at the people who want to come and serve here with us. The caliber of people and the heart of people has just been amazing to me and how God keeps putting together. And every time I I get one of those moments where, you know, where you kind of worry about what's tomorrow going to look like, and God just says, will you just trust me today? You got enough issues today, Phil. Why are you worried about tomorrow? I say, that's right. I got a list of today issues. You know, why am I making one for tomorrow? But there's four things we want to just kind of sink in your head, and we've been doing this for the last several weeks. First one is know God. You can know about God and not know God. You can know the Bible and not know God. You can believe in God and not know God. See, it's kind of like you can believe in marriage and not be married. You can know about marriage and not be married. But you can really know God. Have you ever really known somebody? You go, it's different, isn't it? Different than an associate, an acquaintance. Yeah, I really know you. And when you really know God, it's different. When you know God, then you have the opportunity to really find freedom. Because, see, you can know God and be in bondage. You can know God and be in a mess. Amen? I mean, knowing God doesn't make you perfect. Can you all testify to that? I mean, just look who's sitting next to you, right? Are they perfect? Anybody find one? No way, right? And then you can discover your purpose. When you start discovering your purpose, you say, why do I exist? I got to be on planet earth for more than just kind of work and play and all of that kind of stuff. There's got to be a purpose behind me and there's got to be a legacy I can leave. And there's, and then the fourth thing is making a difference that somehow along the line and in this journey, you want to make a difference in people's lives. You want to, you want to look back and go, I, it, it was important that I was there. You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes as a pastor, I connect with that and help people with that, and sometimes I miss the boat. I heard a story about a pastor who was up preaching. He was preaching away. He was doing a great job, but he looked on the front row, and there was a guy that was sound asleep. 
And he thought, well, that, that's, you know, not good. I mean, you know, if, I, if I'm putting the guy to sleep, it's not a good thing, you know. And, you know, and if that ha- when that happens to me, I don't care if you had a late night or if you're on some medicine that makes you sleepy. I just don't like to see it. It's just not encouraging, right? So he's up there preaching, and he sees a guy, and he says, maybe thinks to himself, maybe if I just preach a little louder. So he got louder, you know, and, and he's louder, you know, and he's kind of reaching out like that, trying to wake the guy up, right? And finally, in his desperation, he realized that the louder he got, the sounder the guy was sleeping. And so finally, he said to the guy sitting next to him, he said, would you mind waking that man up? And the man responded back and said, wake him up yourself. You put him to sleep. (laughs) Our scripture today is from Ezra chapter 8 and verses 21 and 23. Let's look at it together. It'll be on the screens. It simply says, I proclaim to fast. I proclaim to fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him for a safe journey for us, for our children, all of our possessions. So we fasted. And we sought help from our God concerning the matter, and he heard our plea. Other translations say he answered our prayer. You know what I found out about the way God works? It's just different than I ever imagined. You know, pain is a part of progress. Have you ever noticed that? When I was a kid, I, I remember I get to, used to get these leg cramps, and the doctor said, oh, they're growing pains. And, you know, then you don't want to grow anymore. If that's what it takes, you just say, well, I'm done with growing then. I'm tall enough. I don't want it anymore. Anything that grows experiences some pain. If we avoid all pain, then we're avoiding growth. Now, this next statement I want you to really kind of lock into because I think it's, it's a powerful statement. Often, the difference between where I am and where, where God wants me to be is the pain I'm unwilling to endure. Let me say it again. Often the difference to where, where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain I'm unwilling to endure. You see, all of us are going to have pain, but what are you going to do with it? You can turn it so it becomes a, a, a tool to bring you forward in life, or you can, you can blame others or blame yourself. You can, you can feel rejected. You know what rejection is? Rejection. I want you to get a whole new perspective on rejection, because we all, anybody ever experienced rejection in your life? I mean, raise your hand. Let me see. All right? Some of you won't raise your hand for anything, but just raise, everybody, if you've ever had rejection in your life, would you raise your hand right now? Okay, that's good. That's good. All right, I want you to think about rejection like this. Rejection is simply redirection. You see, when rejection, when you're rejected going this way, what you're really doing is you're getting redirected to go down a path that's going to be beneficial to you, whereas that path could have been detrimental to you. And sometimes we try to force our way into rejection. We, well, why don't they like me? Why aren't they helping me? Why don't, why, 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 why? Stop it already. Take it as redirection and say, you know what? There's no future in that. I'm going to go in, the, in, a, in a direction where, there is, where there's really hope and, and promise and not go down that road anymore. I found that when God works in my life, he works really in, in three primary ways. One, from the inside out. He's got to do something inside of me first before he can do something on the outside. And then he works from the bottom up. It never, you know, God, you know, we don't build buildings from the top down. We build them from the bottom up. We got to lay some foundations in our life in order to go to the next level. 
And then it's always small to large. You know, I always want large. You know, God, can I start big? Can I start big? No, no, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Let me start working in your life. Let me show you what I can do. God works by this, this couple of principles that I found. I call them laws, the law of reward, uh, reward. That is that God rewards those who s- diligently seek him. You know, there's something amazing that happens when I just kind of get in the presence of God and I just get quiet. And God, you know what God does? God begins to work and God says, you know what? I can do this for you. If you'll just slow down long enough, get quiet long enough, would you just let me do something? And then there's this law of the invisible, you know, that God somehow, uh, we have to believe that God works in the things that aren't seen. That is, that they're not, not a part of the five senses, that God is working. You know, sometimes God's working the most when it seems like he's working the least. God, what are you doing? He goes, I'm busy. Will you just wait? My mom used to say that. I'm hungry. Mom, I'm busy. You're going to get food when it's ready. But mom, I'm hungry now. I'm going to die. You're not going to die. Trust me, you're not going to die from missing one meal. Can I have some graham crackers? No. You know why she told me no? Because she'd say it will spoil your what? Spoil your dinner. I don't care. Spoil it. I want graham crackers now. You know what happens with God? We go, God, God, are you doing anything? And he goes, I'm busy. And we run over here and we grab a graham cracker to stop the pain, to satisfy the immediate, and in the process, it spoils us for what God wants to do in the ultimate. Does that make sense? We want a shortcut Instead of going God's way, we want a shortcut because we, we are, think we're so important and we have to have everything right now. You see, what we have to do in this process is realize that there is also this law of heavenly ambition. That is that God puts something in you, a great thing in you, but he wants you to do it in the right way in the right time. And there is this law of possibility. It's going it, to, God will work. Just let God work. We have to recover the God-ordained power that he gave us. And I think one of the great ways you can do that is through dreams. And what I mean by that is I don't mean dreams at night. You know, I don't know about you, but anybody have weird dreams at night? I mean, there's always somebody who says, oh, I can interpret those. Yeah, right. Listen, if you can interpret my dreams, the ones I have at night, you're on crack cocaine. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all, Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened. You know, when I was a kid, I was in, in uh, grade school, and I used to have the same dream. There was a female albino gorilla who was chasing me through the jungle. I know, it's weird, you know, and some of you are going, oh, yeah, I studied that in psychology. That means da-da-da-da. Okay, I don't know what it means. I don't care what it means. That gorilla was after me. She was going to get me, and I don't know what was going to happen. But finally, and I had it literally every night. Deep psychological pathos happening here, right? Until I eluded her through quicksand, she sunk down in and never had the dream again. You know what that means to me? Nothing. (laughs) Means nothing to me. There's nothing deeper than that. It's it. It's all it is. But one of my favorite writers is a guy by the name of T.E. Lawrence. T.E. Lawrence said this, those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that all was vanity. 
But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act on their dreams with open eyes to make them possible. Isn't that good? God, give me dreams. You know, you were designed, you know, if you think about dreaming, you were designed for problems. God designed you for problems. You said, oh, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Have you ever had a problem? What's the first thing you say? I got to solve this problem. Hey, you got any advice? I got this. God, you know, God, you were designed for it. God created you with the capacity to solve a problem. You were designed for problems. And in prayer, it carries the DNA of heaven to see God's purposes accomplished here on earth. So when I have a problem, I go, okay, I'm going to pray, God, will you give me some answers? God, you give me the capacity to solve problems. Show me how to solve that problem. Okay, here's a problem. Problem is sin. Man's going to die, going to be separated from God. Jesus said, I can solve that problem. I'm going to do it with the cross, and I'm going to do it in the most positive way. I mean, you look at that cross, it's a, it's a shape of a plus sign, not a negative. Amen? Every time I look at the cross, I go, that's a positive. You know, that's why it's called good news. Not bad news. Be just a cross, just a one stick negative. No, it's a positive. It's a plus. We have to believe. I love in, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, these, these are just a bunch of guys like you and I. You know, they're just a bunch of disciples. They're going out and they're just, they're just telling the message of Jesus. They don't have an education. They're not super smart. They're not well, you know, well-funded. They don't have, you know, everything's not tight in their life. And, and all of a sudden it says in Acts 17, 6, it says, these are men who have turned the world upside down. Wow. They turned the world upside down. And then in chapter 19, verses 8 and uh, 10, it says, And they spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God, and all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of Jesus. You know what they did? They just, they just took the message of hope and they gave it to people. They loved people. They cared for people. They ministered to people. They were just real people. Whenever anything gets in the way, when, 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 when anything gets in the way of just what's in here, this is simple. This is really simple. And you say, well, it's not so simple. It's a big book. What I mean is the, the core message is simple. God loves you. God's on your side. God can work in even the most desperate situations to bring about good. That's the simple message I'm talking about. But when anything gets in the way of this, we make it complicated. Well, you know, I know you're a Christian. I know you read the Bible, but you need to do da-da-da-da-da. No, 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 no. I remember I, I, I had this guy. He was a bottler at Budweiser in St. Louis, and I led him to Christ. And, and uh, he was so anxious. He said, okay, what do I do? And I said, well, go ahead and re- start reading the Bible. He said, okay, when I'm done with that, what do I do? I said, when you get that done, when you get done reading it and doing everything in it, you come see me, I'll give you an assignment. About two weeks later, he said, you know, I don't need anything else. I'm up to my waist right now and trying to understand what God is up to. Amen? I want you to think about preparation. What's the next season look like for you? Everybody, you know, everybody, we're in seasons, aren't we? Like right, you know, like right now we're in kind of summer. Amen? Don't you love California? We're kind of summer, and, you know, and then we'll go into a little bit less kind of summer, and then we'll go into summer again. Right? 
I mean, I, I was looking, I thought, what is the average rainfall here? And I look it up, it's like, you know, 14 inches a year. And this year it's been like five or something like that, right? And other places it's like 100 inches, 119 rainy days in some cities in, in America. And I look and we've got like 10, 10. I'm not complaining. I'm thanking Jesus for that, right? But what's the next season look for you, like for you? You might say, it's, I think it's gonna be a rainy season. No, no, no. I want you to think about it as being a good season. Whatever that season is, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13 says this. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Ever think about, what does God think about me? I do that sometimes. And I, I, sometimes I even think, you know, I think God loves me, but sometimes I think God doesn't like me. Have you ever had that thought? I, I seriously do. I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to be humorous here. I think, I think, I know God loves me, but I'm just not sure if he likes me some days. And God says this, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you future and a hope. See, that's a God who likes me and a God who loves me. That's pretty good news. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And that's really encouraging. And normally, you know what I do? Is I stop right there. I stop, I don't read the next verse. Why would I? That's all I need. You like me? You've got a future that's good for me? You're going to listen to me when I pray. But look at the next verse, what it says. And you will seek me and find me when, when you search me for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. Wow. That kind of adds a little new little dimension to it, doesn't it? You see, because God says, I have good intent for me, but you know, the way you really connect is when you take your heart and you throw it toward me. When you say, God, I just want to give you my heart. There's a story in the Bible of a woman. She was not, uh, uh, she was not an upstanding uh, citizen by any means. Uh, she was actually a prostitute. She came to Jesus. She had a little, little alabaster. The Bible describes it as vase. It was full of precious oil. And she broke it. And when she broke it, she anointed the feet of Jesus with it and she wiped his feet with her hair. And one of the disciples, his name was Judas, he looked and he he was critical of her. He said that that money, that oil could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But then the Bible gives you a little parenthetical kind of a statement and it says because he was a thief and he used to steal from the money bag. And Jesus, when he saw what she did, he said, What she has done is she's given all. And her story is going to be remembered. And we're still telling that story today. She gave it all. Was it a waste? Not by any means. It's it's like the great statement of sacrifice that, that we have because we love God. We love God. And I and I when I read that and I read this scripture and I thought, Am I searching for you with all my heart? Or is there a part of my heart I can't give you, God? I'm holding for me. And God says, would you just give it all to me? Would you see what I can do? Because what you're going to do when you search for me like that, you're going to find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I've been searching for you, but you're going to find me. We're going to connect, in other words. Connecting with God is such a powerful thing, isn't it? We, we know when it happens, and we know when it's not happening. We know when we feel his pleasure. We know when we feel his presence. We know there's something happens in us. It's emotional. We can't explain it. 
We just go, God, I, I just feel your presence. I feel there's something happening. It's unexplainable. It doesn't make sense. You don't reason your way out of it. You just go, I just feel like God showed up in my life. And I want, I want that to be true for all of us, for you and for me. To see God really connect. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. If you just stand and I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and I want you to, I want you to think about, about a question I'm going to give you. And here's the question. What is it What is it in your life that you could say may be standing in the way of peace and hope and future for you? What is it you're holding on to so tight that it's almost become a distraction? Would you be willing to release that? Would you be willing to give that to God today? Would you be willing to say, God, I I don't want to hold that anymore because I think it's keeping me from, from where you want me to be and what you want me to do. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Just just ask God to speak to you. God, what is it I'm standing in the way of peace? Of my future? Of hope? What is it I've held on so hard? Maybe it's affected the the relationships you have uh, with other people. And if you just release it, if you just release it, God, I'm just tired of holding it. It's just, it's weighing me down, God. I don't want to hold it anymore. If you just release it, you might be surprised what God would do. Just ask God the question, God, what is it? What I've found is that typically the, when I ask a question like that, it's the first thing that comes to my mind, and then I want to kind of probe deeper and make more out of it. Don't do that. Just the first thing that comes to your mind is probably it. I want you to say, you know, God, that's probably it. I just want to give that to you right now. You might be reluctant to give it up because you like it. It's, it's almost become like a security blanket or something that comforts you. But if you'd release it to God... I think you might be surprised the freedom you'll experience and just turn it over and say, God, I'm tired of holding it. I'm tired of trying to make it happen. I'm tired of the frustration of it. I'm going to release it to you right now, God. Over the last three weeks, we've invited you to come to this cross and put a prayer request on that cross. Throughout the week, our prayer team prays for those. We've recorded every, every request and we pray for those throughout the week. Every Sunday morning when I come in, I put my hand on that cross and I, I just ask God to answer prayers of people that, who's, who's put their life on a line sometimes because they want to see you work. I wonder if today maybe God showed you something that you hadn't seen before. It was something that you're holding on to so tight that it's keeping you from having that hope and that peace and that future that you know God has for you. Maybe God put a new name on your your heart. Maybe it was a loved one, a friend, a work associate. You need to pray for them. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just just to move in the direction of that cross. There's going to be prayer team members there. There's slips of paper and a pen. And just 
jot down what's on your heart, what you'd like to just give over to the cross. God's big plus sign saying, I'm for you. The cross is a symbol of love. Would you just go right now, just go quickly and just write down whatever God puts you. You can just encrypt it if you want. You don't have to tell everybody what it's all about if you're a little bit hesitant. But what would you have, what would God have you to put on that cross right now? Just go quickly. Just let let the Spirit of God drive you. You say, well, do I need to do that? No, you don't need to. But maybe you should. If the prayer of one person is strong, what are the prayers of a hundred people? When you collectively put that together and God hears that, that collective voice of faith, He responds in a powerful way. Let us join you and partner with you in praying for your miracle the transformation that needs to happen, the change that needs to happen in maybe your family, your business, your life. This is all about about just us partnering with God and letting God work in our life in a powerful way. We're just going to allow you a few minutes now. Just go ahead and just slip up there and you can slip back to your seat, write something down. We're just going to wait a minute for you to do that. God, I just, I just feel so grateful that you give us the privilege to put our heart before you and know that you care for it well. To put our requests before you on this cross, God, to know that, that you hear every beat of our heart. Every joy and every sorrow, God, is, is not overlooked. It's in your presence. God, collectively, even though we don't know what all's on that cross, God, you do, but God, we as a group just want to say, God, would you answer those prayers? Would you meet those needs? Would you work a miracle? Would you solve problems, God, uh, through us? And, and would you just interf- interfere, God, with our efforts to try to, to do something if it's messing it up, God, and just show us how, to, how the right path is? God, as we sit in your presence and we find there is fullness of joy in the presence of God, we give you praise, God, and we thank you. Let me just bless you as we go out today. I just ask that the Lord would bless you and keep you. The Lord would cause his face to shine upon you. That you'd feel the warmth of his presence. She would know that he is for you and not against you. That he has a future that's great great and wonderful. And and you may not see the path yet, but he'll show you the path. Just wait. It's not done yet. God's working. Little by little, day by day, inch by inch, God is working. Just let him work. Don't rush the process. Don't get any junk food. Just let him serve you exactly what you need for your days ahead. God, thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for your love. Be with every single person here. 
Bless them, I pray. Give them joy in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, thank you for being here today. When you go out, it's really important to smile. Tell somebody hello uh, and just greet them in the name of Christ. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.